Hi, my name is John, and I want to welcome you to another episode of the Bible and Life podcast. Our goal here on the Bible and Life is to give what I call blue jeans theology. That is down-to-earth Bible teaching, theology that's rooted in everyday life, in the language of everyday life, so that you can follow Jesus in your everyday life. And if you've been impacted by the Bible and life, encouraged by the Bible and life, and by our other podcast, The Listener's Commentary, uh, feel free to just share it as widely as you can so that more and more people can find the podcast. And also, just be aware that the Bible and Life and the Listener's Commentary is a crowdfunded Bible teaching project, and I'm so grateful to all of you who donate to make this ministry possible and the impact you're having in the lives of people all around the world through your generosity and your gifts. And if you want to support the Bible and Life and the Listener's Commentary, you can do through primarily through World Family Mission, but you can also become a patron on my Patreon page. I'll put a link to both of those in the notes below. And I just want to say in advance, thanks a ton for your generosity. All right. On this episode, we want to look at two very different words of Jesus that challenge us to think about the proper posture of our lives in relation to ourselves and in relation to others, as well as in relation to Jesus and to God. We've been in a series where we're just looking at really challenging, confusing words of Jesus. We've titled the series, What Did Jesus Mean By? And listeners of the podcast have sent in some passages from the teachings of Jesus that just leave them scratching their head, leave them confused and Ironically, one of the passages we want to talk about today, I already had this prepared, had my notes written, and then was out to lunch with some friends when she said, why did Jesus tell us to not call anyone father or teacher? And it's one of the passages we want to look at today. And this is a little bit confusing. So let's jump into that first one, because uh, it is interesting where Jesus in Matthew 23 says, don't call anyone on earth father, but we have dads, we have fathers. And in that context, he also says, don't call anyone on earth rabbi or teacher. That's confusing. Like, what is Jesus getting at? Why wouldn't we call somebody dad, particularly our dad, dad, why wouldn't we call him that? Wouldn't, why wouldn't we call our school teacher teacher? It doesn't make any sense. So what is Jesus getting at? Not only that, when Jesus says that, does that mean that all uses of titles are wrong? Like our teacher at school, or uh, if we go into, you know, like I taught at a Bible college and the students would refer to us, Mr. So-and-so or Dr. So-and-so, or one of my professors is, is it wrong to accept the title professor? I, was I doing something wrong by accepting and being described that way? Were they doing something wrong by calling me that? And, and why father? Like, what are you supposed to call your dad then? Aren't you supposed to call him father? And this is an important question. Here's the thing, though. When you read through the entire New Testament, you notice like the apostles, for example, the apostle Paul, he used titles for himself. He even defended his position as an apostle, but that was an appropriate title for him. He opens his letters oftentimes by saying, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. So he wasn't afraid to use a title. He even referred to uh, leaders in the church as pastors and teachers. Luke used both in the gospel, but even in the book of Acts particularly, he used the title apostle for the apostles. Um, Peter and his letters referred to elders as overseers by that title. So the apostles and the New Testament writers didn't take what Jesus said in Matthew 23 as a blanket rejection of all titles. So 
I think that's important. Before we wrestle with exactly what Jesus is getting at in Matthew 23, we need to at least acknowledge that his authorized spokesmen, those who heard him teach this in person in Matthew 23, they didn't see it as a blanket rejection of all uses of titles, and we therefore shouldn't either. But we want to understand what was he getting at then in Matthew 23 when he said, don't call anyone father, don't call anyone rabbi. So let's jump in. Let's read Matthew chapter 23, verses 1 through 12, so you can hear the whole paragraph. Then I want to go back through it and explain how the paragraph works, what Jesus is doing there, how the paragraph works, and then what's the overall point that Jesus is making. All right. So Matthew 23, 1 through 12 says this. Then Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. That means they they teach what Moses taught. That was the standard way to teach in their culture was to read the scripture standing, but then to sit down to explain and expound on it. So to sit in Moses' chair means simply to be teachers of the law of Moses. So the scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. Therefore, whatever they tell you, do and comply with it. So when they teach Moses, they're actually doing a good job. So listen to what they say as they explain what Moses wrote in the five books of Moses, Genesis through Deuteronomy. Listen to them, do what they say. But he says, don't do what they do. For they say things and don't do them. So they often teach the right thing, but don't actually live out the teachings themselves. Apparently, this this has been a problem for Bible teachers and for a long time because they were doing it in Jesus' day and age. So listen to what they say. The problem isn't what, what, what they say. It's that they don't actually live it out themselves. And then he goes on in verse 4 and says, They tie up heavy burdens and lay them on people's shoulders, uh, but they themselves are unwilling to move them so much with a finger. So they come up with all these applications and way of living them out, but they don't live them out themselves. And they do all their deeds. Here's a real problem. And this is consistently Jesus' real problem with the Pharisees. They do all their deeds to be noticed by other people. So they carry themselves about, they go about their life to be noticed by others. They want to appear righteous. They want to appear spiritual. They want to appear God-fearing and God-honoring, but they're not really living it out from the heart. So they do all their deeds to be noticed by others. And then Jesus gives some examples of the kinds of things he's talking about. He says, for they broaden their phylacteries and lengthen the tassels of their garments. Phylacteries were little boxes, sometimes kept on the wrist, sometimes kept on the forehead, in which uh, Bible teachers, Pharisees in this context, would keep little passages of Scripture in those boxes that they were supposedly memorizing and trying to live out. Grew out of a passage, a really important passage in Deuteronomy chapter 6, where the Scriptures are supposed to be on our minds and on our hands as we go about our lives. Well, this became a tangible, physical way of demonstrating that it was on your mind and on your hand by having little boxes with little passages of Scripture. That's a phylactery. And the tassels on their garments were kind of part of their robe that symbolize their goodness, their righteousness. And so their phylacteries and they lengthen the tassels on their garments. They love the place of honor at banquets and the seat of honor in the synagogues. Uh, they love personal greetings in the marketplace and being called rabbi by all the people. So do you hear what Jesus is saying here in context in verses 
uh, five and six, what he's getting at is they're being noticed by people. That's really what they're about. They want to be seen as righteous and religious and spiritual and special in a religious sort of way by all the people. They love being acknowledged as rabbi because, oh, that's such a high esteem title. They love to be seen as being extra righteous and spiritual. They love, oh, you need to sit here in the seat of honor. So they're doing all this to be noticed by people. And these are just some examples that Jesus points out. Now, upon having said that about the Pharisees, here's where Jesus says, but as for you, don't be called rabbi, for only one is your teacher, and you are all brothers and sisters. Don't call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father, he who is in heaven. And don't be called leaders, for only one is your leader, that is Christ, the Messiah. But the greatest of you shall be your servant, and whoever exalts himself shall be humbled, and whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. So Jesus' instructions to us as disciples grows out of a problem he's acknowledging in some of the key religious leaders of his day, how they're really going about their life to be noticed by people. And so Jesus is actually trying to combat that problem, the problem of becoming a religious leader and loving the accolades, loving the applause, and loving the attention of people and having everybody think highly of you, and yet not really being deeply, powerfully transformed by Jesus on the inside. That's the problem. And in doing this, when Jesus gives instructions to us, he gives three specific examples based on the problem he sees in some of the religious teachers of his days, and then he gives a rationale for each of those examples. So example number one is, don't be called rabbi. Then he gives the rationale. Example number two is, father. Don't be called father. And then he gives the rationale. Example number three is leader. Don't be called leader. And then he gives the rationale for it. That's the way the, te the text is working. And so we need to pay attention to the example, but more important is the rationale behind it, because that's really the point he's trying to make. So he says in verse eight, don't be called rabbi. That's their title for a teacher. Disciples had rabbis. Uh, for only one is your teacher, and you are all brothers and sisters. So don't be called rabbi. The rationale is you have one true teacher, namely Jesus himself. So don't seek to get this accolade of being teacher. Don't seek to be known as this high and mighty teacher. You have one who's your teacher, namely Jesus, and you are all brothers and sisters. And so we're family. We're family, and we relate to one another as brothers and sisters. Then he says, Father, don't call anyone on earth Father. This, again, is in the context of the religious leaders of their day. Rabbis were often referred to as Father, Papa, or Abba. They were addressed as Father. So this is the same issue about religious leaders, religious teachers. So don't seek to have this title applied to you as Abba, as Father. That's the context. And then he gives the rationale. For only one is your Father, he who is in heaven. So we have one Father. Um, and then he says, don't be called leaders because you have one leader. That is Messiah, Christ, which means king. And obviously, that's a title for leaders. So those are specific examples. The problem is this exalting of ourself, this elevating ourself above our brothers and sisters, uh, above other people, so that we want the distinguished honor of being called father or whatever other it is. And so the problem is the heart of it all. And so verse 11 gives us the main point. 
but the greatest of you shall be your servant. That disciples of Jesus, even those in positions of influence and authority and leadership, uh, should be servants. They should have a self-lowering posture. They should have a self-giving approach to life. Because, he says, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. And so, in Jesus' kingdom, we are not seeking to exalt ourselves. In Jesus' kingdom, leadership is service. In Jesus' kingdom, since we're all brothers and sisters, even those who are in uh, positions of uh, like being teachers um, are just one of the many that have been given this opportunity to teach and, and all that. So we have this posture of self-lowering and humility. And that's the primary point he's getting at. And that's why the apostles could still use titles for themselves. That's why the Apostle Paul could actually defend his position as apostleship. It wasn't because he's um, having a position of self-exaltation. It was because his position as an apostle is what actually enabled him to speak on behalf of Jesus and teach on behalf of Jesus. And so when that was being subverted, he was actually being undercut in his ministry and his ability to do what Jesus had specifically appointed him to do. Not only that, but Paul characteristically excuse the whole idea of self-promotion and self-exaltation that's a part of this. In fact, 2 Corinthians, where he defends his apostleship more than any other letter of his, he actually boasts in his weaknesses. He, he talks about his suffering. He lowers himself and shows uh, his own vulnerability and his own dependence on Jesus. So rather than promoting himself the way a typical uh, traveling philosopher would in his day, he actually humbles himself and lowers himself and talks about his own weakness and his own struggles and his own suffering and his own deficiency and how his apostleship is actually a manifestation of the grace of God. That's in keeping with the very spirit of what Jesus is teaching here in Matthew 23. Um, and so Jesus is rejecting in this text the self-promotion and the self-exaltation that flaunts status, that um, demands on being acknowledged by certain titles that uh, is full of arrogance and self-promotion. And Jesus is commending the humility and the sense of brotherhood that derives from recognizing that God is our Father, Jesus is our King and our Teacher, and we all owe everything to them and we're arranged under their superiority, their greatness, and their authority. The next passage I want to look at here on this episode it shows up in Matthew 19 and Mark 10. And the question is this, isn't Jesus good? If so, then why did he reject someone calling him good? And that's the issue here in these two texts, both of which are telling the same story. Matthew 19 verses 16 and 17 says, And someone came to Jesus and said, Teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may obtain eternal life? And he said, why are you asking me about what's good? There's only one who is good. And then he goes on and answers the guy's question. It's a little more clear in Mark 10, and Mark writes it this way. Mark 10, 17 and 18, he says, As he, Jesus, was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. And then Jesus goes on to answer his question. So the question is, um, 
why not accept being called good since, one, Jesus was good because Jesus, too, was God? And so since Jesus says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. And yet Jesus was God in the flesh. And if God is good and Jesus is God, then Jesus is good. And we know he is. So why doesn't Jesus accept the title of being called good? And here's my basic answer to that. I don't think Jesus is rejecting the title of good. What I think Jesus is doing by asking this question of this fella is he's using a penetrating question to push the man who comes to him to think through the implications of his own words. He's, he's really trying to force this guy to understand what goodness really means and who's really good. And so if he's going to call Jesus good, does he know what he's saying? Does he know what he's really saying and what he's really implying? Don't just throw words around willy-nilly. Again, related to the stuff about titles, um, like this guy comes to Jesus and says, good teacher. And, and Jesus is essentially saying, wait, do you understand what you're saying? Are you just using empty words? Are you just trying to flatter me? Are you just trying to, you know, like appeal to maybe some supposed vanity that you think is in me because it's in all the other teachers you know? Or are you willing to actually think about what it means when you say, good, good teacher? That there's really only one who is good, and that's God. In fact, Psalm uh, 14.3, there's no one who does good, not even one. And this actually seems to be how Matthew understands what Jesus is getting at when he when the way he words it, why are you asking me about what is good? There's only one who is good. There's only one who is good, right? Like no one's good except for God himself. And so ultimately, if you're going to call me good, you need to think through what you're saying. And I think that's what Jesus is doing. So I don't think he's rejecting the, the title good for himself per se. I think his question is in, uh, in essence saying, think about what you're saying. Good Who's really good? And if you're going to call me good, then think about what that must really mean. So when you read the rest of Jesus' answer to this guy, as he answers this guy's question, it's clear that Jesus is trying to get the man to realize that to inherit eternal life, he's going to have to follow Jesus. Following Jesus is actually greater even than keeping all the commandments. When you read Jesus' words there in Mark 10 or uh, Matthew 19, it's clear that following Jesus is the key to the whole thing. And so, because the guy comes and says, look, I've kept all the commandments. Jesus is like, well, then here's what you need to do. You need to sell all your possessions, and then you need to come and follow me. His own wealth and any of his goodness really doesn't matter nearly as much as following Jesus. And thus, if that's the case, then who is Jesus? What does it mean when you call him good? And I think Jesus obviously, in that answer, by saying, you need to actually follow me, I am the way to eternal life, Jesus, in, in, in a very real sense, is accepting the designation as good teacher. I am the truly good teacher. I am the one who will tell you the way to go. And so Jesus isn't so much rejecting the title good as he is using a penetrating question to force this guy to think about what he means by the words he's saying. Now, both of these texts, uh, I think, call us to reflect on our view of ourselves and others in relationship to God and Jesus. 
Why do we call people by the titles that we call them by? Why do titles matter so much to us? What kind of titles are appropriate and why? And ultimately, the ultimate thing that both of these passages that we've wrestled with, both of these questions that we've wrestled with in this episode, ultimately what they force us to, to realize is the, the absolute need for humility, the absolute need to lower ourselves before Jesus and before God. And if any exaltation comes to us, it's going to come from them. He who humbles himself will be exalted. That we lower ourselves before Jesus. We recognize that everything we have is a gift from Jesus. Uh, that uh, our life itself and our, our new life in Christ is a gift of grace. And therefore, any good thing we have in our life comes to us from God through Jesus to ourselves. Even any exaltation we receive. It's purely a gift of Jesus, and thus humility. Thus, no self-exaltation, but self-giving. Thus, no self-serving, but self-sacrifice. That's the way of Jesus. That's the way disciples are to live, with self-giving and self-sacrifice and humility. And recognizing that only God is truly great, and only God is truly good. And we owe everything to his goodness and generosity and to his self-giving. See, true greatness empties yourself for the sake of others, just like God in Christ emptied himself for you. And that's how we live as disciples. We follow the way of Jesus, and we pour ourselves out and lay down our lives for the sake of others. That's true greatness. That's the pattern of Jesus. Hey, thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Bible in Life. I am grateful for each and every one of you. And again, I would love to hear from you if this uh, podcast has impacted you, encouraged you in any way. Shoot me an email, message me through Instagram. Just let me know how this podcast has impacted you, how you're using it in your life. I would love to share some of that um, with people who are listeners of the podcast and people who follow me on social media, just to encourage them as they hear how God is at work in your life and using this resource as a way to build you up in your faith. God bless you guys. Thanks again for tuning into this episode. I look forward to talking to you again next week.